Oh my God, I officially am conducting my first interview for Rich Little Broke Girls. So obviously I had to bring the one and only Nicola Lobby to the virtual studio to whip us into shape, to give us some tips and some tricks. If you guys came to my live conversation pillow talk at Soho House back in November, then you know exactly who Nicole is. And you know how incredible Nicole is. Nicole is a 36 New York-based fashion executive for one of the top fashion houses in the world. I mean, if I had to categorize her, I'd say Nicole is the Samantha to my Carrie. She is the ultimate dating connoisseur and guru and just knows the finesse. Nicole is going to teach us the art of dating, the mindset, and the necessary inner monologue that makes it fun and exciting. We talk about making the first move in real life, how the fear of rejection is complete bullshit because you're unrejectable and we unpack managing expectations and how dating apps are inherently good. This is the type of episode you're going to return to many, many times and share with all your girlfriends. So for the next hour and a half, get cozy and let's get into the art of dating. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thanks for having me, Kim. I'm so excited, neighbor. We live down the street from each other, guys. I know. How are you? Like, how are you feeling? I'm great. I had therapy about an hour before this, so I'm great. I actually talk to my therapist a lot about my dating life, so I feel like I have a lot of clarity right now. How does it work? Do you just, like, come with your issues and questions and they give you answers? I haven't been to therapy yet. I need it. Haven't gone. So my therapist is a black woman and she's around my age. So she's not like a homegirl. I'm a very cerebral person. I like to think through things. So for years, I didn't see the value in therapy because I'm like, I will just think my way through it. So it's like having someone who's like me, but with way more tools. A lot of the things I come to her with are pretty fully fleshed out thoughts, but she's helping me to like direct them and kind of sort them, orient them, which is really, really helpful. Do you find that you get more out of therapy when you come like prepared with an outline? Like these are the topics that I want to go through or is it kind of just like fly by the seat of your pants? Because she has more tools than me, I'll always come with something I want to start with. Well, I've learned now coming with something I want to start with, we're going to go anywhere. But before I would come like, this is what I want to talk about. And she'd ask me a question. Like once we were talking about something, I was talking about a girl that I had recently met and was becoming friends with in an experience that we had and how a guy said an off-color comment to me and I was like but anyway the comment was about my complexion and she's like how has colorism affected your life and I was like girl I was not prepared for that oh my god I thought we was talking about and it just changed the conversation which was really helpful so she's able to see Kind of like the deeper things that I brush off. Because like I said, I'm such a thinker. If I don't want to deal with a thought, I'll just be like, but she's really good at that. The excavating. Mm, Okay. I need to start therapy. Where do I find a therapist? This is so great. One of my best friends started a company called Therify that was originally for um, corporations to help their employees find therapists, mainly for people of color. Um, but they recently launched a individual portion. So like you as an individual can use Therify, especially as a person of color to find a therapist. And I believe they're all therapists that are covered by insurance because my therapist is covered. It's $17.80 a week. Thank you. Oh my God. And you go every week? 
every Thursday at 6 p.m. If you're looking for me, I am in therapy. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I need to check it out. Therify? Therify. Therify. All right, all right. Okay, so let's get into the conversation. I want to know, you know, just to start it off about your dating history, you know, where you've been, where you are now, your current dating life. Give us a little scope. I love this question because... Only when I answer it do I realize how many women do not have a dating history. They Mm. believe they do, but they don't. Um, So for me, I grew up in a culture. I grew up in Toronto in a culture that was very teen-centered. Teen clubs, teen hangouts, this whole teen world. So I started dating casually at 15. It wasn't, you know, prom dates and homecoming dates only and Ask my parents to take me to the movies. It was going to the teen clubs, telling guys, come over here, get their phone numbers, and go out with them. And I would go out with multiple guys in a week or multiple guys in a month. I was on the prowl very young, and I was a part of a culture and a world that was on the prowl. Like, there's this one Drake song, and I can't remember it, but he said, like, um, Yorkdale Mall by the Indigo. That's where you would meet guys and girls. Drake and I are the same age and grew up in Toronto. That reference is so specific to my dating life. It was this bookstore by a movie theater, and it had, like, this long hallway, and people would line up the hallway to meet people. Teens, like mm-hmm. that was our world. And I mean teens, I'm talking 14 to like 19 and even 20. Um, <laughs> but that was the world that I was a part of. So I had been dating casually and enjoying the excitement of it very early. By the time I got to college, I went to Howard University where, you know, Howard has a reputation, I think, of being like a party school. But when I was there, it was actually quite conservative. A lot of students were Southern. And I started meeting girls who had promise rings. And I've been with my boyfriend for four years. And I'm like, how? We're 18. Like the math, (laughs) that's wild. You know, and I was introduced to a different kind of dating culture where there were what good girls did and what bad girls did. And it was like completely different. And I think for a couple years, that messed me up. I felt more advanced than my peers. I felt like I need a boyfriend like good, nice girls do. Good girls have boyfriends. But that wasn't the world that I was from. I knew very few people who had boyfriends. We all just dated. So by the time I was in my 20s, I wanted to revisit who I was and not who being at an HBCU made me. And I reintroduced myself to casually dating, dating multiple people at once, enjoying my dating experience. So I would say I've been dating happily for 21 years, I always say, because it's the truth. And right now, I'm seeing someone, been seeing someone for a couple months that I like more than anyone, but I'm, I'm not close to meeting new people. Okay, we'll get into that because I have so many questions about multi-dating. But before we get into, you know, the art of dating, I want to focus on the mindset of dating, right? Because you got to get your mind right for this shit to work out with you. And I feel like two definitions that are oftentimes conflated are dating versus marriage. And you've said in the past, like, the two are mutually exclusive. So let's not confuse them. 100%. We have to think about us in the Western world, especially us in the United States. We are a part of a small population of the globe that dates and can find themselves in love marriages. Most of the planet is not doing what we are doing. So it's very easy for us to conflate dating and marriage, but they're not the same. And in a lot of instances, they have nothing to do with each other. Most of the planet, marriage is on the docket, dating is not. 
they're either being sold as child brides. I mean, hello, that's happening. Or their families and families are arranging, whether it's from birth or at an adulthood, or you go to matchmakers. Like most of the world is focused on marriage and they're not using dating to get there. We are in a minority here. Because we're in a minority, it's so easy to believe that they are the same or one leads to the other. One can lead to the other, but it's not necessarily the function of dating to get you marriage. The function of marriage is to get you marriage. You mentioned earlier, you were like, love marriage. Do you think because we value this idea of falling in love and like, go find your prince, do you think that's why We are so obsessed with dating marriage. I need to get married. Where's my husband? I'm looking for my husband. Like, I think that's a part of it. But I think for a lot of women, especially educated black women, again, like I harken back to like my college days of like good girls who've done everything right. I think we have this perspective that if you do everything your way you're supposed to do, you can get the career that you want. You can have the retirement savings that you want. You can have the home that you want. So I should be able to have the husband that I want. And I think a lot of people get very impatient with dating because like you can track the other paths of your life. Like if I am working in my career at a certain point, I can get this kind of promotion at a certain, you know, you can Mm -hmm. see how if you've done all the right things, you'll get what you want. So with dating, while you might enjoy it, it's easy to become impatient. Like I've been a good girl. Give me my man now. And I think that's really it. I think where the love and falling in love piece comes is if you really want your man right now, dating is not the easy or fast way to get him. You can go to a matchmaker. You can be like, there are other more systematic ways or administrative ways to get you married. You just, because you're Western, want it to be some kind of meet cute. So it's this weird place of being impatient. Give me mine right now. I've been good. I've done the right thing. But also, I don't want to do it in an administrative way with a matchmaker. I want to meet him at Whole Foods. You know what I mean? So it's like, which one do you actually want? You want that, like, story. If you want the story, you need to be a little bit more patient. Mm -hmm. Because it's just, it's not formulaic. If you want it to be formulaic, you should go down a formulaic route where you pull your coins out (laughs) and let someone help you. But if that's not the case, you have to be patient. Yeah. And enjoy the freaking ride. Yeah. Is marriage something that you want in your life? Absolutely. I'm just not married to a timeline at all. Um, And I know for a lot of women my age, I'm 36. If you say that, they're like, but we have a timeline. No, you have a timeline. (laughs) You have a timeline. Whatever's ticking inside of your uterus, that's not ticking inside of mine. I think a lot of women my age and women in general think they have a timeline because of the biological clock, geriatric pregnancies, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But like Janet Jackson had a baby at 50. I don't know. You know, like I, I just am not connected to a timeline. I love that. So I'm enjoying the ride, but I'm also on the ride with my eyes open. You know, like I don't want to fall in love. I want to observe people, get to know people, see you in different situations and circumstances, see where your values are, see how a connection between us grows. I want us to be choosing each other. Mm. I feel like there's so much pressure for women to like figure it out super quickly, obviously biologically, but also the men put so much 
pressure on women to lock it you down. You think so? Oh my god. Yes, they'll be like you're in your prime. Like you need to find someone. You know, men just get better with age and women XYZ. That infuriates me. I think women put the pressure on themselves. Like we do 90% of the things we do as women is for other chicks. Mm. You don't wear that outfit for him. You wear it for you. You and other women to be like, okay, sis, I I do like that. You know, we do things for women. And it's women. We're the ones who are scrolling Instagram like, damn, she married. Damn, another wedding. Oh, shit, she got a baby. Oh, look at her husband. Oh, she got three Christmas trees. She do look like a three Christmas trees kind of bitch. Like, you just (laughs) were always watching what other women are doing to help us decide where we are and where we should be. But like... Mm. It's just, it's so unrealistic. I try to be the primary voice in my head, Mm. period. Like, I always like to be the voice. I'm never thinking about what should we be doing? Where should we be going? What should happen? I'm always thinking, how do I feel and how do I want to feel? And I think if more women took that mindset into dating, you would have a completely different experience. If you look at every person, like your potential mate, it's like, that to me feels more exhausting. It's so exhausting. It's not possible from a mathematical perspective, a probability perspective, that you are my potential mate, actually. So I don't treat you like that. Mm. You have arguably one of the hottest takes on the phrase, Dating with intention. (laughs) You do. But before we get into that, I want to play a clip from your balcony chat on the topic. Play the clip, sis. Girl, I'm about to play the clip. Anyone who says they're dating with intention is a psycho (laughs) and run for the hills. So when I hear that someone is dating with intention, I hear a few things. One, you're not enjoying dating and you're not enjoying being single, and you want to be done. That's the first thing I hear. That is a major, 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 major red flag. Like, you got to run away from that person. It's the truth. And I've got a lot of questions about that. The number one question I get, and I just want to clarify, is dating with the intention of marriage. Because a lot of people are like, well, what if you're just being intentional about what comes in your life? You all know what I mean. You guys just don't like how it sounds. Whenever someone says, I'm dating with intention, they mean with the intention of getting married. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone who says, I'm dating with the intention of getting married, is a psycho. So my definition of dating with intention is knowing what you want and positioning yourself in a way to get those things, right? It's like, okay, I know what I want. I know what my boundaries are. For example, you know, I know that I want to have kids, right? And my romantic goal is to find a partner and have kids one day. If I'm dating someone and I know what I want for my future and I, you know, know this person doesn't want kids, it's not really for them, how much time am I willing to give this person when I know that like, you know... Maybe we don't really align on that. I love that example. Okay. You're a psycho. So let me tell you why. (laughs) Tell me. So two parts in there. So one where you said, if I know the goal of my romantic life is to get married and have children, that is crazy. The goal of your romantic life is to have a romantic life. 
to me, the goal of your actual life is that you know you want to get married and you want to have children. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily the goal of your romantic life or your dating life because there's so many other people involved. So I think that's the first part I wish more women would think about. Like, it's okay to have the goals of your life, but like not every single avenue leads to the next. Like we're always jumping so far ahead. Mm. And even when you said, if I know what I want and you don't want that, we're talking about a first date. We don't know what anybody wants. Mm -hmm. You don't know what they're going to give to you. You don't know if you want it with this person. So I think I always say this whole having your intentions before you even meet a person, it's just so far ahead. So I know saying you're a psycho is extreme, but I'm a a hyperbolic bitch. (laughs) At the end of the day, what I really want to get across to women is like the goal of dating is to be dating Mm -hmm. I meet so many women who have the rules and the boundaries and the lists and the everything and it's like but you haven't been on a date since 1996 Mm -hmm. so let's get you on dates Let's get you dating regularly. Let's get you on second dates. As a person who has been dating happily and successfully for 21 years, I went on my very first second date of 2022 in August. That means between January and August, I had a lot of first dates Mm -hmm. with either guys who did not want to go out with me again or I didn't want to go out with again. And I'm someone who's an active dater. So whenever I meet women who are not active daters talking about, I have intention, I know what I want, I boundaries, yada, yada. You got to get in the game first. Yeah. Get in the game first. I would say for me, I know the things that I want for my life. Mm -hmm. But I also know they have nothing to do with you yet. Until you are the person... Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. This is kind of where I have a hard time fully understanding, you know, like get in the game totally. A lot of the girls listening are in the game. When you go on a date, maybe it's like a couple first dates, you kind of start to pick up and you can kind of maybe relate them to red flags. Okay, maybe this isn't the person for me. And so when I think about dating with intention it's like being very intentional about the things that i'm willing to accept and the things that i'm not going to accept and so as i'm finding this partner and going on these dates or multi-dating i am thinking very clearly about what it is that i want for my life for me it's a difference between dating with intention versus dating with expectations right so it's like you want marriage Mm. and you expect the outcome of every date to be marriage what you're explaining sounds more like dating with expectations is ridiculous whereas dating with intentions is more of like okay i know what i want I wouldn't even qualify it as dating with intentions. It's just dating. Mm-hmm. Everything you described is literally what dating is. Yeah. I think people are so afraid of the dating experience that they have to qualify it and put it in buckets. This is dating with intention. This is multi-dating. No, it is just dating. The point of dating is to get to know people and you're observing them. You're seeing like, oh, wow, this was not for me. Oh, wow, this... I feel like there's a little rumbling that this might be for me. So let's do it again and Mm -hmm. do it more. Mm -hmm. Like that's all dating is. All the qualifiers are ways we're protecting ourselves. You don't need to explain what you're doing. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, your goal is to first go on a date. And on the date is to have a good time to the point where you want to go on another date. Mm -hmm. And as the more time you spend with someone, your eyes are opening and widening to like, oh, wow, this is something that I actually thought I didn't like, but on him, I kind of like it. Or, wow, this is something I usually like, but on him, I really don't like it. Like, each person is different. 
And so it's like, I know what I want for myself long term. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's important to put that on people on a first date. Even on a second date, the goal is to just keep getting to know people, keep observing people, observing. Like you're everything you want to know about this person, you're not going to find out from asking them. Like, like I saw this video on Instagram the other day, and it was like three questions to ask someone that you're dating. What is their biggest failure in life? What are your goals you want to achieve? I was like, oh my God, if somebody asked me that shit, I would be like, I don't even know you. So I think the point of dating is to always get a little deeper because that's where you are going to start to observe and be like, oh, wow, yeah, that's outside of my boundaries. Whoa, don't want that. Mm -hmm. But we don't have to qualify it. It's all of the women who are like, I'm dating intentionally for marriage or and even men. I've come across men like this. It's like they have the checklist and Mm -hmm. the wall is up and all these things and they want you to scale the wall and you're only the like ultimate champion if you can scale my friggin' list of whatever the fucks and i just wish more people would just take that pressure off you know in your heart what What you you want want. you don't have to put it on this person Mm. because you don't know them Mm -hmm. it's your job to like get to know someone see if there's some chemistry some vibe and then if there is that then there's another date and now we can look for other things and another thing and look for other things but like going into this experience with complete strangers Mm -hmm. Putting your intentions or your expectations on the experience, I think those kind of people are people who, in my opinion, don't enjoy dating and they don't enjoy being single and they're ready to get off this ride. Mm. And they think something about being intentional will help them get off the ride faster. But nothing's going to get you off the ride faster because you're dealing with someone else Mm -hmm. that you don't even know yet. Mm -hmm. So that is my thing. Let's just date and we shall see. The cream will rise to the top. Mm, they will absolutely rise to the top. You don't have to put all your things in here on the front line. The cream will rise to the top. Don't you worry. And at the end of the day, enjoying the ride doesn't mean ignore mm-hmm. your boundaries, ignore red flags, let people treat you any kind of way. That's not, first off, that doesn't even sound enjoyable. Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> that is not enjoyable. Let me off the ride. But I think what I want more women to do first is bring the wall down. A good friend of mine, a man, he sent me a screenshot of a woman he connected with on Hinge. And just the hurdles, just to get on the date. It was like, this is why so many of you are not in the game. It's like you feel like putting someone through a gauntlet almost makes them desire you more or show their intentions for seriousness or show their effort. But really, people just want to connect. That's really step one. And if you find that you're not really connecting, it's probably because your intentions are literally on your chest. Mm -hmm. Like people can see it on you. They can smell it on you. And it's off-putting. So bring the walls down. My expectations for a first date are always so low. And not so low as in like it could be horrible. No, no, no. So low as in I have no expectations of you. I don't know you. Yeah, because when you do put expectations on someone that you hardly know, the only person that's going to get defeated when they don't meet those expectations is you. And then you're going to feel defeated and you're not going to want to like put yourself out there again. 100%. And also thinking about why you're dating. I have this mantra that I've experienced in my personal life, my professional life, my dating life. 
If you are running to something, you'll find more success than running from something. If you are only wanting to get in the dating game because you are tired of being single, you will never enjoy dating. Mm -hmm. If you're in the dating game because you want to date and connect and meet people and see the possibilities, you'll enjoy it. So let's talk about the art of dating, which you are quite literally the expert of. I feel like the first step is getting over the fear of rejection. 100%. You know, like how do you overcome that fear and make rejection work for you? I would say first, it's reframing rejection. The reason why a lot of people are not approaching people in the way they used to do at Yorkdale Mall by the Indigo in 2002 in Toronto. The reason why people are not approaching people the way they used to is they're afraid of rejection. The reason why people put up all these walls and hurdles about what they need and what they expect and yada, yada, yada is because they're afraid of rejection. We have got to reframe rejection. Like I see myself as unrejectable personally. Like I don't think there's a person who can reject me. Because I'm open to dating. I'm open to connecting. I have a great personality or a vibe. Men like me. Mm -hmm. The only men who do not want me or who don't want to at least see what's possible with me are men who are in a relationship. You want that person to reject you. Mm -hmm. Please tell me no. (laughs) If I approach you at a bar and I'm like, hi, you know, I just noticed you and I wanted to, you know, get to know you. If you have a wife, a girlfriend, reject me, please. Please. Because if you don't, that is scary. I think second, the kind of person who would reject you is someone who's not attracted to you. That is the biggest gift of your life. Because I know people are probably thinking like people won't say yes to someone they're not attracted to. Not true. Mm. People will say yes to Mm -hmm. people they're not attracted to. People will choose people they're not attracted to. Did you watch Love is Blind? I didn't. I want to get into that. Essentially, there's these two characters. They fell in love blindly Mm -hmm. and then they meet. The guy is telling her, matter of fact, it's two separate couples. They finally meet and the men are telling these women that, oh, you're not what I thought you were going to be. Like, oh, you don't look... Oh, but like, I I really love you and I have this emotional connection with you and we'll just go on the ride because I really feel like a lot of men want to be the good guy. They want to be a nice guy. And so they have this nice guy complex. They don't know how to reject people. They don't know how to say no. They don't know how to get out. And so they'll just like drag Mm -hmm. you along. They will drag you along and he's not even attracted to you. And you know what other guys will say yes to you, even though they're not attracted to you? Guys who are like you, tired of riding the ride. Mm. That is a scary person to say yes to you. I mean, I've seen this in relationships with friends. I've seen this in relationships with me in my early 20s. But also it manifests in other parts of life. Like I always tell this anecdote about, I love an anecdote. When I first moved to New York, I was interviewing like crazy. I, I was moved here to be in fashion. I was interviewing. I was, And I remember having this interview at my dream company. And the woman was like, you don't have the experience. You don't have it. Like she told me that in their interview. So I gave her the Andy Sachs speech from the Devil Wears Prada. Like, I might not be a blah, 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 but I can work harder than any. Blah, blah. You know, I gave her yeah. the speech. And so then I, she just kind of was like, okay. And I went home similar to Andy Sachs and I got a call the next day that I was starting on Monday and I was so happy. For an entire year, this woman treated me like shit. 
every single day. There was not a single day I did something right. There was not a single day I satisfied her until almost a calendar year when she found out I was interviewing for another job. She fired me on the spot on a Saturday at 10 p.m. in the office. Yes, I was in the office at 10 p.m. on the Saturday because that's how she treated me. And that was such a huge life lesson. She did not want me. Mm -mm. Somehow I had convinced her to take me. (laughs) She was exhausted from looking, but she treated me like shit. And I've actually seen that happen in romantic relationships where it's like, you're persistent or you want this person to want you so bad. And they're like, fine, I'll give you a try, sis. And they treat you like crap. So a real person who's not attracted to you will reject you. And that's a gift. And the last kind of person who will reject you is someone who's not open. If you're in the dating game, you are open. And that's probably why you approached them. You made eyes, you did whatever you asked for their Instagram. And if they're closed off, that is a gift. That is a gift. Like, this dating pool, people are always calling it, like, what is that analogy I keep hearing? Like, the dating pool has pee in it. Mm -hmm. The only reason there's pee in the pool is because there are people in the pool who don't want to be in the pool. You pee-pee have to go. Get out. Leave it for the rest of us who are happy to be here. So... Whenever I approach someone, because I'm a big approacher, I will, I've been approaching since the 10th grade, I will approach you. If I approach someone and they're not at least interested in exchanging information and connecting and just seeing, it's probably because they fall in one of those three buckets. Mm-hmm. And that is good. Yeah, It's very rare that someone's like, I like you, I'm available, I like the way you look and I'm open, but no. Yeah, (laughs) Like that does not happen. So that's what I want more people to think, especially women like that will never happen. That is rejection. Someone just saying no for the sake of saying no, that is rejection. But that's not ever going to happen. They're saying no because they're taken, they're not attracted to you, or they're not open. And let those people go. Next. Gone by the wayside. Next. Very next. Okay. Try Try it again. again. Don't like get bogged down. Keep trying. It'll happen for you, like everybody always says. But let's talk about putting yourself out there, right? Like, how can the girls feel confident putting themselves out there regardless of their end goal? We already talked about, you know, just dating to have a good time, be on the ride with your eyes open. With your eyes open. And you cannot be rejected. So how do we put ourselves out there? A great way to put yourself out there is to leave your house. A lot of women, you know, it's funny because I I keep hearkening back to this, but there are so many rules and so many boundaries and so many this and so many that for people who are not even going outside, like go outside. And when I say go outside, I'm not saying necessarily go to a club, but I'm saying go outside to a place where people are open to meeting others, Mm -hmm. whether it's a bar, a lounge, an event. Like if you live in New York, you know that like first Saturdays at Brooklyn Museum, people are not there to look at the art. We don't care about the King Tut exhibit. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You know, like that's an environment where people want to meet people. So go into environments where people want to meet people. We all grew up on the Meg Ryan, Meryl Streep's, Julia Roberts, and you're meeting someone at a supermarket. Oh, we both reach for the avocado. That's not, I would get that out your head. Okay. It's just not happening. And it's just, it's not impossible, but I wouldn't bank on hoping I meet someone at the post office while I mail a letter. Like, it's 2022. Like, it's not happening. The crazy thing is, 
you will see on TikTok, they'll literally be like, okay, ladies, if you want to find a man, you need to go to the Whole Foods in Tribeca around this time to this time. Make sure that you're walking in Wall Street from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. and you will meet your man. Like, how? As someone who went to the Whole Foods in Tribeca at noon today, it's just a bunch of West Indian nannies and white babies. So stop that. Not true. (laughs) It's not happening. (laughs) It's not happening. Go to a place where people want to meet people. Okay. I would say second, don't travel in a pack. Mm. Do not travel in a pack. You and your homegirls, it's just not going to work for two reasons. My second reason's V controversial, so I'm going to say a second. First, guys, the same way you're afraid of rejection, the same way you're afraid to put yourself out there, so are men. And we have this inherent belief that they should be braver and more alpha than us and just be able to. That's just not real, especially after the pandemic. People are not naturally connecting the way they used to. Mm -hmm. So a guy approaching you and five chicks, that is not easy. It takes a very specific kind of man to do that. And that man borders on cocky. So I would just be careful. So go in a small group. I think another reason to travel in a small group, when I say small, you and another girl. Okay, just two. Y'all could be a trio. You can destiny child it if you need to, but I think you should be a duo. Mm -hmm. Um, But another reason is because Why put yourself in a position to be compared to other women? Mm. And I know people Mm. don't like how that sounds. I'm not saying you should choose friends that are less attractive than you. But this is the thing. You're beautiful. You're absolutely beautiful. All of you are. But like, if someone thinks your friend is more beautiful than you on the first day that they meet you, that sucks. So I feel like. I have never heard this in my life. It's the truth. He literally has a sea of women to choose from. And he's going to like, he's going to gravitate towards what he normally gravitates to. Mm. Men are quite primitive. That initial is very physical. It's very physical. It's very like, I like how you look. I'm going to come talk to you. Right. So for me, if I'm going out with one girl, I feel like. Either I'm your type or she's your type. That I can take. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. But this idea of like you feeling like you get to pick out of the group, like, no, nope, I'm not. I, this is not The Bachelor. Okay. Bruh. We not doing that. <laughs> so I like a small group. And small groups, but really small groups are more approachable. Mm-hmm. Also, your group should be a woman. This is another one that's very controversial. Mm-hmm. We all have a good guy friend, whether he's gay or straight or bi or whatever. It is hard for men to approach you when you're with a man. It's actually almost impossible. Because if they think the guy is straight, they think you're on a date. Mm -hmm. So why should they approach you? If they think the guy is not straight, a lot of straight guys, hetero, cis men, they'll tell you they're so woke. They'll tell you they're such allies, but they don't want to entertain your gay homeboy. They Mm -hmm. just don't. They don't. Like, that's just a reality. Yeah. They're open to buying a drink for you and your homegirl, but with your gay homeboy, they don't know the etiquette. They're like, do I buy your homeboy a drink? Do I not? They they don't know what to do right now. (laughs) So don't put them in that position. You know, if you do find yourself out with a group, this is one thing I do. I will do a little promenade solo. I will leave the group. Oh my God, same. I'm like, let me just, I'm going to go for a lap. Let me, I'm just going to do a lap. You're like, I'm going to do a lap. lap. 
Do a lap. Please. Do a lap. Do a lap. So that I'll do if I Mm -hmm. find myself with a group. A bunch of people. But, like, I went out with a girl on Monday or Tuesday night. A new girl. And we look so different. I love that. I She's love really that. pretty. I do love that. I love when we look so different. We are not the same. We're not twins. We're not. So we don't come as a package because, you know, sometimes guys, they want two for one. We're not doing that. Yes. Okay. I loved it. Like I was tall. She's short. I'm darker. Mm-hmm. She's lighter. And it was like you, we could feel the energy of who wanted me and who wanted her. I like that. I love that. Let's make it real clear. Yes. Make it clear. Oh, you like that? Let me be your wing woman. I'm going to be your wing woman. I'm going to get in the conversation. I'm going to crack jokes on your behalf. I'm going to really prop prop you up, sis. So I would say be places where people want to meet people. Be in a small and approachable group. Mm-hmm. Try, and I'm not saying only choose to go out with girls who look completely different than you, but if you have a homegirl that they always think is your Siamese twin, like that's not going to be an easy one unless she's in a relationship. If you go out with a friend who is not single, she got to be down for the team. Okay. Okay. A lot of, I have a really good close married homegirl who loves to go out with me, but I had to teach her like... You be wanting to go to the popping spots, but you only want to spend time with me. That does not work. You need to be open to entertainment. Yeah. We got to entertain. I'm single. So. I'm single. So you wanting to do this catch up at this popping spot? No, we got to do this on your couch. (laughs) For the free ski. Like, especially if we end up buying the first couple rounds ourselves, we might never get a drink tonight because of your ass. No, 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 no. So I, and I have like a really close girlfriend that was in a like eight year relationship when we were at our prime of going Mm -hmm. out. She was the perfect wing woman. She's going to crack jokes. She's going to, if he has friends, she's Mm going to entertain the friends. Like she's not like uncomfortable. And then at the end when the guy's like, hey, she's like, oh, I have a boyfriend. There, guys always be shook about it because that's how good of an entertainer she is. She's like, oh, sorry. Did I give you the impression I was available? Uh, yes. When you were doing two rounds of shots with everybody and cracking jokes, girl. Yes. Yeah. But I love that. So if you do find yourself in a group, do a lap, but don't be in a group if you can avoid it. If you are in a small group, you want it to be an approachable group, preferably women, someone that's like a little different from you. And if they're not, maybe they're in a relationship in a great wing woman. I've had experience with really great wing women and like really shitty wing women. Like I had a friend and she was just like negative Nancy. Like she was always complaining. She didn't want to be there. It was like, uh, 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 they're pushing. There's too many girl, just sip your drink and have a good time. You're single too. Yes. Okay. So like, just have fun. Yes. But then there's also the girls that it's like, they want first dibs on every single man. Girl, first of all, we don't even know who he wants. So for you to be like, oh my God, first dibs, first dibs. Oh, he's the one he's the, oh my God, I want. And like, you know, when they like, they want to corner you out and like start flirting with him. They change your body language, box you out. Girl. Okay. So let's just run down the traits of the worst wing women. The okay? worst. Worst wing woman is a desperado. Okay. If you are out here, if you feel like if we, you don't leave with a man, 
everybody's night is fucked. You are not my wing woman. I can't have a desperado. We're not going out together. Because just like going out with the hopes of meeting someone, I treat them that feeling the same way I treat dating. Like, I'm hopeful, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I came out. And had a good time. I came out to have a good time. Yeah. So no desperados. No mad sad bags like if you are the girl whose arms are perpetually mm. crossed across your chest you're constantly doing that look around like mm-hmm. uh, uh. if you are a woman who deep sighs if you have an audible deep sigh that people know you for we can't go out we're not like going you're out. not my wing woman you a good wing woman is like however this shakes out However this shakes out, our goal is to have a good good time. time. Now, your wing woman can't be such a good time girl that you look up and she's gone. And she's texting you like, left with this Derek that I met (laughs) at the bar. You're like, ooh, uh, I am alone. (laughs) What? Like that? Okay. I want you to get yours, sis. But you need to, we need to communicate before you disappear. (laughs) So like, it's a spectrum. Like, yes, have a good time, but... That's happened to me where you look up and you're like, oh, actually, you know, I've done that too. I've done it to people and it's wrong. (laughs) It's very wrong and I'm grown now. I've learned my lesson. But yeah, so those are the traits of a good wing woman. So that's like how you put yourself out there. Apps, guys, please stop being afraid of the apps. Like I hear so much negative talk about the apps and it breaks my heart because apps were literally designed for people to connect. People are single and open today, especially if you're living in a town where doesn't have like a pop in social scene. Like I live in New York City, like the apps I see as auxiliary. (laughs) Like I'm definitely going to meet someone out and I'm going to meet someone on the apps. But if you're in a place where it's hard to meet people out or you're shy or you don't have a good group of people to go out with or a good wing woman, the apps are literally designed for you. So don't be afraid of them. It's just, I think what makes people turned off by the apps is the same thing that turns people off dating. It's like you're putting your hopes and dreams into that match. You know what I mean? But it's like... The point is just like dating IRL or meeting people IRL is to connect. That's really our first step. If you have not had a second date this year, okay, open up your iOS device (laughs) and download some applications. And also, you know what I always do? Like when I really am like, let me give the apps, give yourself a 30 minute power hour swipe session and just on an app get it over and then with. put it down because do not get like, it over spend with. so much time on the apps you wake up you're checking the apps it really can become a toxic cycle and i have like a hundred percent been there and let me tell you right now that is never when i've met a guy any time that i've really enjoyed a guy that i met on the apps was when i was like casually getting on the apps you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't, like, really expecting yes. anything. And then, like, that we is meet, the best. we go on the date. And then all of a sudden, it's date number six. And we're still having a good time. I would also say my advice is to, and this is V controversial, don't read the profiles. Oh, really? Just no. Just go off the picture. No. Yes. Mm-mm. Yes. Mm-mm. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Just go off of the picture. Because in real life... A person does not have a profile. You're just seeing what they look like. So me, I just go off the picture. I don't read your bio until we we match. Because also, the chances of matching are not that high. So why eliminate you if you're not even actually 
choosing me. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just really, and honestly, I met my current honey doing that. I had da- re-downloaded Hinge. I had, let me tell you the scenario. I had a situationship in the spring that was really like, I realized that like he wasn't fucking with my head. I was fucking with my own head. Mm. I was putting myself in something I wasn't actually in. Why? Because he was very good on paper. Mm. And I was like, oh, this should work. I'm going to will this to work. And I went to Dumbo House and I saw him canoodling. Oh and I was God. like, ooh. Oh. Oh, my God. Wow. Not in this common space we share. Got it. So I remember getting in the Uber, and he kept, you know, that good guy thing. All night, he kept coming over to me like, you good? I cannot stand the nice guy. I just, no. Like, go away. I am good. Leave me alone. Just. I'm good. Thank you. So in the Uber going home, I was like, I downloaded Hinge. And the next day, I just did like a power hour and was like, Yes, 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 no. Yes, yes. Like, just in the way I would do if I'm scanning a room. A room. Yeah. Like, have the dating apps mimic what happens in real life. 100%. So, when I matched with this guy, I was like, oh, oops, let me read his profile. Nothing sinister or crazy. He wasn't angry. It's the angry profiles that... Oh, my God. The ones that are like, "Um, we're going to match and never speak again. Next. Now we won't. Now we Thank most you. definitely won't. Now you just, you are a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> Look at you. Prophetic. So then I read his and he didn't have a lot of information. It just had his age. Mm-hmm. I have a, like a low threshold for what the red flags are. I would say the only thing that would make me unconnect with you now that I'm reading your profile is if you say yes to pill pop in. I just feel like. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> I feel like. It's such a weird thing to disclose. Like, you don't have to say. So you can actually opt out of saying yeah. anything. So if you say yes, you want it to be clear. Like, there's addiction here. You need to get on the ride. And I'm like, no. So that one's a no. I will disconnect with you if you are, like, ethically non-monogamous or in an open relationship or something like that. That's a no. Girl. It's a No. But other than that, I will connect with you. Before, when I was younger, I would be scanning for what kind of job you do, what neighborhood you live in, yada, yada. But one, I can give myself most of everything that I want. So I don't okay. need to be rescued by you. And now that I've come into that stage of my life, I realize like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, it's not that it's unimportant. To me, the most important thing is, do you take care of yourself and do you like your life? If those two things are present, then if we join forces, two will always be more than one. I'm fine. I don't need you to come be a knight in shining armor for me. Mm-hmm. So I used to care, like, what job you had? Where did you go to school? Oh, did you go to, do you have an MBA? Do you have a JD? Like, I used to care mm-hmm. about that kind of stuff. I don't now. I used to care, like, I'll see that first picture and be like, so cute. And then you scroll down and be like, oh, that's corny. Your friends look corny. Nope. Like, we don't need to do that. Because in IRL, I would never know your friends are corny. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would never know those things. We just can't project our futures. Like, my sister went to a uh, Toronto Raptors game, was in a suite, ballers in a suite. And there was a salt and pepper older black gentleman that she was like, yes. They exchanged contact information. And he asked her for coffee and she started spiraling. Like this coffee was at the end of the week and she just was talking herself out of the coffee. And I was like, 
what is happening? And she's like, I just feel like, why would he ask me to coffee? Does he think I don't deserve dinner? And like, or is he broke? And I don't want to end up with a broke man for the rest of my life. And I'm like, I think a lot of men or what I've heard from the men's perspective is like, I don't know if I want to sit through an entire dinner with you. Like, can we just meet and have a conversation and see if we like each other? I think for some people, dinner is very intimate. Like sitting down and having a meal with someone is very intimate. So I think it is important to be open to different types of first dates. Now, am I going to meet you and go have cocktails? I'm not. I can meet you. We can grab a matcha. You know what I mean? There's so many different ways to meet people that it doesn't always have to be dinner. My preference is to be able to sit down and have a conversation Mm -hmm. with you. I feel like activities are too distracting on a first date. I don't want to be trying to figure out Mm -hmm. this escape room. I need to figure out if I need to escape you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like that to me is more important. So whatever type of date, a coffee or whatever, I don't think you think less of me if you ask me out for coffee. I think a lot of women future cast. Mm-hmm. So are you going to, if you ask me to coffee, are you broke? Are we going to be poor? That's future casting. But I think a lot of women also value cast. You only think I'm worth a coffee. So no. What? He doesn't even know you. He don't know what you're worth. Yeah. People only true. do what yeah. they know. Like we have to remember that. If a guy asks you to coffee for some reason, that's what he does, and he that feels right to him. If you don't want to go on a coffee for whatever mm-hmm. reason, if you ask me a coffee, I'll go. But if for whatever reason you don't want to go on a coffee, it's not your job to future cast or value cast or be a bitch. It's your job to say, I'm actually not available at that time, but are you free Sunday at 6 p.m.? Like, you can decide, too. You're a chooser, too. I think there's so much in women about being chose. So because we're always thinking about being chosen, it's easier to future cast, like, is this broke man choosing me? Or is this person who doesn't value choosing me? Don't do that. (laughs) You, too, are a chooser. You have the power. Like, my sister, I was like, the day of the coffee comes. And she's like, it's 6 p.m. Shouldn't he have confirmed by now? She she was freaking out. And she finally, she was like, I'm not going. She literally didn't go. The guy's there. And he's like, hey, are you coming? She's like, you didn't confirm, so I didn't go. And he's like, confirm? We had a date. Like, it was the date. Like, I came to the date at the time we picked. You know, but she really had spiraled herself out of just connecting. And I said to her, if you don't want to go to coffee, Mm -hmm. why didn't you say you want to do something else? She's like, well, he suggested coffee. Let me get this straight. So no matter what the date is, just know this is not a place to future cast. Just because he had three pictures at a five-star mm-hmm. restaurant on his profile, when he takes you to the neighborhood bar, don't be like, oh, it's not your job to future cast. It's also not your job to value cast. And if someone suggests something for a first date at a time or at a place that you don't want, you also can say kindly, nicely, and politely that you want to do something different. The best way to say you want to do something different is to actually say what you want to do. Let's talk about your three-prong approach to approaching men. Because like you said, a lot of women really want to get chose and it's all about he has to choose me. However, I think the art of dating is about knowing how to dance, knowing how to approach a man if you want to approach a man. So my thing is, I like to approach guys because, you know, certain spaces that I find myself in where I'm seeing what I like to call talent, those are not always the places where people feel comfortable approaching. So, for example, sometimes you see some talent in the Delta Sky Club. 
not everyone thinks this is a place to meet. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you'll see talent at like Soho House. There's legitimately a no approach rule. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, to me, approaching lets someone know that you are open. And like, so if you didn't think you could talk to me, I want to talk to you. Or if you didn't see me, I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Or if you're in a group of guys and you don't want to leave them, or whatever, I want you to know that I want to talk to you. So I have a three-prong approach. And I think men, I want men to use this mainly, but women can use it too because I came up with it in the 10th grade and, and it's never stopped working. So first you want to start with a salutation, a real one. Um, approaching someone feels weird if it's not normal to you so it's very easy to get this part wrong and you say something crazy or stupid like I hate when people are like what are you drinking hello what is your name you know like who are you get out of here or if they're like just saying something just want I don't know just start with hi that's such an easy one. Like everyone just greet the person. Come in like you want to meet someone. Mm-hmm. And so just like, hi, I'm Nicole. Or hi, how are you? Just something like that. So a real salutation. Second, you want to state your desire. Something brought you over here. You should say it. Because when you just get into conversation, sometimes mm-hmm. people are like, do we know each other? Do we... Did you want to sit here? Did you? Like, they don't always understand what you're trying to do. What are we doing? So state your desire. Like, hi, I just noticed you and I wanted to just meet you. Or, you know, hey, I saw the seat was open and I wanted to just talk to you. Is that cool? Like, sometimes just say what it is that brought you over here. Now, between step two and step three is where shit gets shaky. Okay? If you are a conversationalist like me, this is the time I'm going to make conversation before I decide if I want to go to step three. Mm -hmm. Step three is to make a request. If you are not a conversationalist, you could just make a request and make an exit. So a request is the next step. Like I said why I came over here. Now I'm here. You seem receptive to me being here. So now I want to say what I want next. And that is usually like, can we exchange information or, you know, let me get your Instagram or can we exchange numbers? If you want to be more formal, I'm a number person. A lot of people are Instagram people. I'm becoming an exchange Instagram. But the thing with Instagram, you're going to see mine and you're going to like me and I'm going to see yours and I'm going to not like you. It's very rare that I see a guy's Instagram and I'm like, ooh, but that did happen to me the other night. A guy did get my Instagram and I was like, ugh, I saw he requested me. I'm like, this shit. And I clicked on his. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> Looks way better than I remember. And his body is popping and he's wearing fashion. Definitely going to slide in them DMs this week. (laughs) But usually you're just wanting to make some sort of request and then twirl away. When you make the request and linger, it's Mm -hmm. like, do we need to entertain each other? So that's why I say, if you're a conversationalist, I like to make some conversation before I make a request. Because sometimes you can say the thing that's like, I actually don't want to make a request. Thank you for that. But if you're not a conversationalist, just make the request. Because again, Mm -hmm. the point is to connect. You can make the request. You guys could text for a day and be like, you know what? Not that interested. But the point is to connect. Put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. So if we're stringing it together and I'm approaching Kim, I would be like, hi, I'm Nicole. Um, And I noticed you and I think you're really beautiful. I think that's another thing. If guys are listening, tell women they look beautiful. It's very disarming. Because mm. men don't say it as much as they think they say it. Usually they're looking you up and down and, and I'm supposed to interpret that as you think I'm beautiful. But just say it. I would say, and I think you're really good looking. And I just wanted to come over and have a drink with you. 
if you're at a bar, sometimes guys will be like, oh, okay. If you say I want to have a drink with you, if they offer to buy the drink, make your request. This is a keeper. If they don't offer to buy the drink, <laughs> you are the one who said you want to have a drink with them. So order your own drink or whatever. And then say like, okay, well, me and my friends are actually about to go. So do you want to exchange Instagram and maybe like keep in touch? It just works. The only person who's going to say no to you is someone who's like, mm. actually, I'm in a relationship. Or actually, you know, I'm just here with my friends. Not really like blah, blah, blah. That's the soft rejection. Take it and be like, mm-hmm. okay. That's usually someone and, who's like either yeah. not attracted to you or not open. And you could take that and be like, okay, well, it's good to meet you. And enjoy the rest of your night. And just twirl back to your section of the room. But approach people because it works. The truth is not everyone feels safe. to Not every man feels safe to approach women. I've heard a lot more men since the Me Too movement say they're a little bit more nervous than they used to be. And I don't, to me, it doesn't make sense, but I'm not a man. But I've heard a lot more men say, like, you got to be careful these mm-hmm. days. No, you should have been careful every day, personally. But whatever. But I do know that more men are not as, It's not as seamless as it used to be for them. And then also after the pandemic, a lot of people are rusty on connecting. So if you see someone that looks good to you, take a shot, roll your shoulders back and just do it. Follow my three prongs, salutation, desire, request, and just see what becomes of it. If nothing becomes of it, don't let that hurt you. Don't let that discourage you. I always tell women dating is inherently positive inherently positive this Mm -hmm. idea that there's a mechanism by which you're able to go out into the world and choose for yourself who you make a romantic connection with that's such a positive thing if you have negative feelings about dating it's because you've had negative experiences not because dating is negative so just try to create more positive experiences for you and a lot of it's in your mind in the way you see yourself the way you see the situation and how you can reframe it for yourself For anyone that's listening, I challenge you to try Nicole's three-prong approach to putting yourself out there and making the first move. If you do it successfully and secure a date, DM me at richlittlebrokegirls and I will send you some goodies to get you ready for your first date. So try it. Let me know if it works. Get the first date and then we'll talk. I love that. I think I'll add to it. If you do... Tag me on Instagram and I'll send you some money. I'll buy you a drink. I love that. And with inflation, drinks are like $25 these days. I'll buy you a $25 drink. I love it. But I feel like common sense isn't that common. We all know that. You know, we can give people advice about, you know, put yourself out there, make the first move. But sometimes people take that and just like run with it and they just don't do it right. Kind of give the girls some sense. Let's add some sense to this piece of advice. I would say everything before the first date, I would not take Mm. personal. People have not put you in their lives, so they have not prioritized you. So if you match with a guy or you exchange information with a guy, you're trying to set up the first date and it's not going smooth, don't just abandon ship. I know for me, Nicole Alabi, I am a very hard person to communicate with if you're not in my Mm. life. I will not text you back right away. I might not text you back today. I won't give you prime real estate in my week. You just won't have that. 
I'm sorry. Like I have friends that I want to be a good friend to. I got a boo that I'm trying to figure out what's going on here and learning more about him. I have a career that is so fulfilling and it's on the up and up right now. I'm killing it at the job. I have sisters that, you know, I am literally the Kyle Richards of my family. I'm a middle sister. My older sister's Kathy and my younger sister's Kim. And I'm always in the middle of the two and I'm always trying to balance our relationship. And so that's a priority for me. My parents are at retirement age. They're a priority for me. So if you and I cannot connect super seamlessly, you can't take it Mm. personal. I have a full life that you're not in yet. So I would say that same thing to women or men who are listening. Anything before the first date, you cannot take personal. You're not in their life, okay? After the first date, if you had a good time, it is not wrong to say that you want to see that person again. Because sometimes, I would say guys are always moving on their own vibes. Like I had a first date two weeks ago where I, I, it was a nightmare for me. And he texts me, can I read please, the text? I need please. to read the text. Can I read the text? He said, you're funny and I'm going to need some mo. LMK if I'm alone in this. Oh. You are. Yeah. You're definitely alone in this. Vibes are real. Energy is real. You know if y'all hit it off. Like, you know if I was interested. You don't think so? No, I think a first date is similar to an interview or the first day on a job or I wouldn't say people are being fake, but they're putting their best performative Mm -hmm. selves forward. And so you don't know, like I did not really enjoy his company, but I was raised right. So I didn't treat him like shit and I didn't disrespect him and I didn't like I wasn't off putting and I didn't let my body language reflect that I didn't feel a connection. So... I can see why he felt like, oh, this was great. Let's try this again. But it's my job to say, and like I said, I said, it was definitely nice to meet you, um, but I didn't feel the connection and that's Mm -hmm. it. I think a big mistake is when people are like, but let's be friends or let's keep in touch. No. No, you don't want to be friends with them. I don't want to be a friend. You know, and I'm like, it was great to meet you. And, you know, um, I just didn't feel... You know, a romantic connection. I've said that before. But it was good to meet you because it was. That was the goal. I wanted to meet you and I did meet you. So I would say everything before the first date, don't Mm -hmm. take personal. Between the first and the second date, it is okay as a woman to express to the other person that you had a good time and you would love to see them again. Like that is not wrong. Because I keep seeing on romance Mm -hmm. TikTok, effort equals interest. Not between date one and date two. Date one and date two means effort equals curiosity. Like, what's going on here? Not necessarily interest. And I think that between the first and second date, you're still not in my life. Yeah. So prior, it's I'm still not prioritizing you. Um, so I think it's okay as a woman to be like, I had a really amazing time. Um, I would love to hang out again. Or if you're so forward, be like, I had a great time. Like, if you're around this weekend, let's let's get drinks. Like, you can say that. I think how the person responds to you will let you know if you are fallbacking Mm -hmm. to 
Like, you'll know after that text. Now, of course, the goal is like you want them to say that to you if you like them. But if they don't say it to you first, it is you're still in the safe window where you can put it out there without you're not thirsty Mm. for saying I want to see you again. You're just stating your intentions. Like what's wrong with saying you want to see Mm -hmm. someone again? Now, there's some responses that you'll get that make you know like, "Mm, okay, all righty, I need to exit stage left. (laughs) This is not for me. I feel like when anything ends in, I'll let you know. That is a no. That's a no. And you'll probably will never let me know. So, or if he's like super busy. This is the thing about busy. When I was in my twenties, and I would date guys that were older, that were so busy. I used to be like, "You are not that busy." And now I'm 36, and I am too busy. I officially get it. Like it took me a while. I didn't even get it last year. But this year, my job, like I said, she's killing it at the job. I've been traveling a lot more. Like, it's just my work life has done a complete 180 between this year and last year. And I'm leaning into it. So that's another one I wouldn't take that person. Especially if you're a girl who's reading his bio and you saw that he has a big job. He probably does have a big job. And a big job means... It requires time. And I don't know you yet to put you over Mm. my other commitments. And also, if you're in New York, if you're in New York, let me tell you something. I know what I'm doing on Friday night. I know what I'm doing on Saturday night. I know what I'm doing next Tuesday, next Wednesday, and next Thursday. So, yeah, I am actually, that's actually what's happening to me. I feel like it's like busy without any plan. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm just so busy. You know, in New York, there's like all these industry events. You have all these dinners. You have all of these things going on and like your schedule does get booked. But if a guy reaches out to me and I'm interested in him and I am busy for the next two weeks, I will give you a date in the next two weeks that I can put you right in. But like if it's just, oh, I'm I'm so busy. And there's no effort to, when I do have some time, let's like, you know, see each other again. Then I feel like it's kind of a hint. I agree. Let's go back to our timeline. Everything before the first date. Don't take it personal. Can't take it personal. After the first date, you can put it out there that you want to mm-hmm. see them again. If they want to see you again, they'll be like, yeah, absolutely. If they don't, they'll probably curve you. You know what a curve feels like. But this is what a curve is not. Someone actually being busy and you know that they have a big job or big responsibilities. Being busy is not a curve. You know you're curved if they don't actually let you know, like, this is coming up and this is coming up, but I am free mm-hmm. on this time. If they're literally just saying, I got this and I got this, I got this, they really, they want to wear you down with their busyness. And you're like, okay, you're so busy. Like, leave me alone. But if they're like, but I'm free at this time. If you don't hear from them between that time and the time they say they're free, also do not take that personal. You are not in their life. You've met one time. You've spent a total of 240 minutes with them in their whole life. So let if they come back around and be like, hey, how you been? Don't be like, uh, you curved me. That didn't happen to you. Relax. That never happened to you. Don't lie to yourself. Relax. Go. Because remember, the point of dating, we want to connect. And then once we connect, if we like each other, we want to keep connecting. And so we can get deeper and learn each other's values. And if you align with my life goals, et cetera, et cetera. But the beginning is just to connect. So if you got to jump through a couple hoops to connect, don't take it personal. You don't know this person and you're not in their life. They have not prioritized you. 
let's talk about sex. It plays an important role in dating. However, oftentimes it's left out of the conversation. So my first question to you, I feel like it's so polarizing. How soon are you having sex? As soon as I want. I don't have a rule on how soon mm -hmm. to have sex at mm -hmm. all. At all. I will say I dated someone in college when I was trying to be on my good girl wave. And um, he was Southern and every girl liked him and he liked me. And I was like, this is your chance to be the good girl the other girls are, to get you a promise ring and to leave here with your husband. And I remember telling him I wanted to wait six months before we had sex. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> and I remember because he was Southern and respectful, he respected it. Then what happened? He finally did. And it was a nightmare. Been there, done that. It was the worst. Yeah. It was the worst. And I remember thinking, we love each other, so it can't get better. And never did. How long were you guys together? We were together for a little over a year. Oh, wow. And in those last six months, I can count on one hand how many times we had sex. Wow. It was just like not a part of our relationship. One of the things that I learned from my 20s to my 30s is I'm not always looking for something in other people. I don't have a list of what I want a man to be able to have and do. I have what I'm looking for in a relationship. Not in a man, in a relationship. I want a relationship that has incredible sex. That's what I want. I had to learn that looking for what you want in a person, that's just, no. But how do you differentiate? right because you're in a relationship with the person yes that's the differentiation what do you mean that's the differentiation then you're in the wrong relationship no the differentiation is we are in a relationship with a person we are bringing these things to the table it's not that you bring it it's we do this we bring this we foster this because i've learned that there are things that someone might have and do but you don't bring that out of me you know what i mean in my 20s I dated a lot of very rich guys, some my age or a little older and some much older. Like my 20s was all about rich guys, like <laughs> very rich guys. And I realized like that is a thing that you have that doesn't do anything for our relationship. Like it doesn't, it just, it's not like a living, breathing thing. It's just something that's a part of your life. You could be rich and stingy. You could mm. be rich and mean. Mm. You could be rich and not thoughtful or caring or neglectful. You could be rich and like you spend all this money with your friends, but with me, not the same. You could be rich and all you do is spend money and you don't remember any details of my life. Like I dated someone who, I remember I was in law school and I had graduated in the course of our time dating. And he was like, so how's school? And I was like, <laughs> you don't even know me. Do you know who you're speaking to right now? He was like, oh, I thought you were done in the spring. No, if I was done in the fall, which is why I didn't have a graduation. If I was done in spring, you would have been at my graduation. But I guess not because you don't even know me. <laughs> but like this person, like on our second date, no, our first date, I was flued out on the first date. Mm -hmm. I got Louboutins on the second date. Like, and he had no idea what I did all day. That is so crazy. Is so I want a relationship where we talk. 
Mm-hmm. I want a relationship where we are invested in each other's lives. Like that became, it's the more experiences you have, the more you learn what you want in a relationship, not yeah. necessarily from a person. Because my ex-boyfriend, whom I loved, um, were friends, he was not a talker. But we had a relationship where we could talk. Oh, interesting. He was, yes. And I learned that was the relationship that I learned the difference between what you want in a person and what and you what want, you in, a want in a relationship. I've dated a guy that was, he was not a talker. And in our relationship, he was not a talker. But I can see how you're saying some people cannot be talkers, but the relationship brings that out of them. And you'll know that. You'll know that from how you interact. Yeah. You yeah. know, like if I'm saying to someone I on a date, like I like a guy who's a talker. He's probably like, I'm not a talker, so. But if I'm saying, I want a relationship where we talk, or I can talk to you about anything, if I was younger, I'd be like, I want a man that's good in bed. No, I want good sex Mm -hmm. in my relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, we do that together. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you don't have to be a daggone porn star, okay? (laughs) It could be. But, like, are we giving, like, 15 solid minutes of missionary that's just mind-blowing? I'll take it. Like, are you kidding? I know we got off course because we were talking about sex, but Mm -hmm. I'm always looking for what I want in a relationship. So I don't have a time frame on the sex. When you should have sex. I just know. Is it a game or is it a vibe? It's a vibe. It's never a game. Because this is the thing about a game. For all the women who think they should be withholding sex, you know you're also withholding it from yourself too, right? (laughs) Like, you're not getting none. You think Mm -hmm. you're not getting none, but you too are not getting any. And I want some. So for me... (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, I think there's this idea, and this goes back to good girls and bad girls and doing all the right things and blah, blah, blah. Like, I know so many girls who met their Prince Charming in college, only men they ever slept with, and they're divorced by 29. You can't Mm -hmm. call it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, like, depriving yourself because you think it's going to get you something in the long run, but also giving something because you think it's going to get you something in the long run. You should only be having sex with someone because you want to have sex with them. Not because you're withholding or you want to get something. I would say with my situationship this summer, he was really a booty call. A booty call that was good on paper. And I was at the time looking for a booty call. To be honest, I was going on a lot of dates and not really having, like I said, not having second dates. But I did want to have sex. And this guy was a booty call. And because he was good on paper, I was like, could I be the first woman in history who turned her booty call into her husband? Oh. No. Absolutely not. You know what I mean? But, like, it's just so easy to only focus on what you see in a person and what they bring to the table Mm -hmm. and try to build a relationship around that. No. I know what I want in a relationship. You know? And it took me to my 30s to learn the difference. Sex is similar. Like, I'm not looking for you to be bomb in bed. I'm looking to have a great sex life. That's something I like to know sooner than later. Another reason why I'm a sooner than a laterer, because if it's not good and you really care for them, you're going to want to try to make it good. Yeah. And I don't think that's wrong. That's not wrong. That is actually, when you care for someone, sex can improve. But I like to not do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that because I, one of my best friends, like she said the first time she had sex with a love of her life, it was not good. She was like, oh God. And she's like, in the second time, it was okay. And she's like, finally on the third time, she was like, can I tell you more about what I want and need? And after that, it was the best sex of her life. Oh, that's 
for her. Good for her. Yes, that is correct. The consequence of, you know, having sex too soon, back to your point, is like, if you're looking to get something, if you're using sex as like a game, you're having sex too soon because you want to just like rush into things and you really think, oh my God, I really like him. He doesn't even know you. And so he doesn't even really like you, but y'all had sex. And now you're trying to manage these expectations. You're upset. You feel like he took something from you. So I do feel like there are consequences when your intentions of having sex are not just, it's a vibe and I really want to have sex with you. In dating, I really encourage women to not have a scarcity mindset. No one can take anything from me. You can only have what I give to you, period. You can only have what I give to you. Like whenever I hear women say that feeling of like someone taking, no one can take anything from you because mm-hmm. you have an, you're an abundant person with abundance in your life. You cannot take something. You think you got a little sum that one time and you think you got something. I have a lot of sum and you didn't even, you just got the tip. So if you really, really had to show your whole ugly ass just to get the tip wow, you really missed out. So I try not to have a scarcity mindset. Like no one can take anything from me. Um, So I try not to look at sex that way. And I wish more women would try not to look at sex that way. Like you, you didn't have sex with me. We had sex with each other. Like I had a conversation with a guy, like I was trying to set him up with a girlfriend that I thought was a good match. And he was like, he wanted to ask around. I was like, you don't need to do the whole facts. Like I'm telling you, she's, a legit person. And he was like, well, what if she's slept with one of my friends? I'm like, so what if she slept with one of your friends? If she's your wife, when you and your three kids are at Disney, you guys won't even think about that guy. <laughs> like, who mm-hmm. cares? But he was like, you're right. I shouldn't be worried about who a woman gives her body to. And I was like, I've never given my body to anyone. It creates this idea of like ownership and like a debt. Yes. And I'm like, I've never given my body. To anyone. I'm like, so I wish women would take out of your mind. You've never given your body to anyone. You don't have a soul tied to anyone. The only thing you have when you leave me is the memories of when you were with me. Those are the only things you're allowed to possess. Everything else, my body and my soul, we went back to my apartment with me. We all went back to where we came from. You took nothing but the memories, that little mental snapshot, that little picture you took, that little video in your brain, that's the only thing you left here with. Everything else that came with me stayed with me. You don't have my body. You don't have my soul. You have the memories of what we shared. Mm. That's it. And if you want to continue to share, you'll act right. But I also want to tell women, there's nothing you can do To stop yourself from being disrespected. I believe deeply if someone wants to disrespect you, they're going to. It's what you do after. Some men and people in general are legitimate degenerates. They're literally so traumatized, so hurt, so broken, so incomplete that for some reason... They see you and they see prey and they want to treat you bad. I strongly believe there's nothing you can do to stop someone who wants to disrespect you from trying to disrespect you. 
It's what happens after. after. You know, there's this idea like, I'm not going to do this because I want respect. I want this. Anyone who wants to disrespect you for whatever reason in their peasy, little, broken brain, they're going to still want to disrespect you. You could do all the right things and wait to the fifth date to have sex and they will not call you. Because for some reason, they're a whole degenerate. That is them. That is their problem. That is their mommy issues. That's their daddy issues. That's their trauma. That's their everything. There's nothing you have done or could have done to prevent deserving to be disrespected. Some people are just wired in that way. And it's so unfortunate. But just remember, it has nothing to do with you. If you are a well-adjusted, kind, good person, you got to just shake that one off and just remind yourself like, wow, uh, this broken person had the opportunity to get to know someone like me and they squandered it because whatever happened in whatever little roach-infested hamlet they're from, and I'm so sorry for them. But it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. I've We've all been in that experience where someone treats you so bad and you're like, yeah. what I, did I do? know I did nothing yeah. for this. Yeah. And that's them. That is them. And that should not knock you out the game. That should not break trust. It, you know, like I get it. It might be harder to open yourself up. But if as long as you remember, you did nothing to be disrespected. Like you didn't. Some people are literally, it's so unfortunate. Something happened to them somewhere in their maturation that put them there. And that has nothing to do with you. I'd love to wrap up this episode with a segment called Red Light, Green Light. I'll give you a controversial topic and you give me Mm -hmm. your unfiltered opinion. So red light means I vehemently disagree. Green light means... I agree with every bone in my body and yellow means I have a fence stuck up my ass. (laughs) The first one is open relationships. Fence in my ass. Really? I feel like, I think we all have this perspective globally Mm -hmm. that monogamous heterosexual relationships are just the ones that work the best and everything else is just weird. And that's just not the truth. Um, There are a lot of things that happen in relationships that we just don't understand and have nothing to do with us. So Mm -hmm. I don't condemn open relationships. Is an open relationship for me? I don't think so, but I can't say no. I think a relationship that's open on both sides, I can see the value in that. I think oftentimes the relationships are not open on the woman's side. It's Mm. usually open for the man. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that, yeah, I'm not completely close to the idea of it. Because I think open means different things. Like, does open mean when you go on vacation with your friends, you can do whatever you want? Does open mean you can do whatever you want in the city we live in? Whoa. Does open mean, um, <laughs> you know, do you have to talk to me first? Does open mean you can do it? Like, I, I, I don't know. Open is so wide. And I, I can see a scenario that could work for me. What scenario is that? Like, on vacation, do what you want. In my city, don't even think about it? See, I, I could see a scenario where in our city... 
we are allowed to like hook up with people, like just not build anything deep. Like if you catch a vibe and you want to follow it, like, and I catch a vibe and I want to follow it, but it's just not deep and not building relationship. Like I could see that it would have to be on both sides. Um, I could see that. I could see for myself, like, you know, we've been married 20 years. Let's hit a swingers club. Let's see what that's giving. You know, like I can see different scenarios that be like open to different experiences. Yes. I can see different scenarios because I think, I don't know. I just am not fully close to the idea um, but it's not something that I want, I'm looking for, but I, yeah. there are scenarios where I'm like, I don't hate that. Like I was watching whatever that interview was. There's some like men's podcast that these guys love where one of the guys, Channing Crowder was saying how him and his wife go to a nudist colony at least once a year. And Kevin Hart was on it. He was like, oh my God. He was like, really like turned off. And he's like, my wife and I just like to be naked around other couples. And I was like. like you and your person y'all like in this sexy vibe and then y'all go alone to y'all rooms or maybe y'all interact I don't know so I just I don't know I don't know yeah fence yellow fence yellow got it okay the next one once a cheater always a cheater yellow yellow I cheated a lot early in my dating life and not now you said yellow I'm in my head I'm thinking that's what a cheater would say <laughs> like that's something a cheater would say it's what motivates people to cheat like I think I cheated I started cheating on guys in my teens just Why? because I thought it was a cool and exciting thing to do I thought it was interesting like, like you wanted to play me. that game like yeah like I thought but I was like <laughs> I wanted to know if that's something I would enjoy you know um you were curious so yeah I was curious. Um, But yeah, I think anyone can change, but I don't think people change for people. So it wasn't like a guy who made me change. You're a reform cheater. Been there, done that, not going back? I will say very early, (laughs) 15 years ago, I would cheat on guys because I just thought it was a cute thing to do. (laughs) And it's like not. So I don't think once a cheater, always a cheater. Okay. But I think if you cheat on your wife, you will all, yo, that is a person to steer clear. People who cheat on their spouses, that is a different level of cheating. That is a cheater. How is it different? That Because of the commitment level. Like when you're mm-hmm. young in these young, silly relationships, you're like, I cheated. Oopsie. You know, like, mm-hmm. but I just think when you're grown and committed, marriage, wedding, whole shebang a life together you're not just cheating on the woman you're cheating on you guys' life together wow it's crazy yeah my final red light green light going through a man's phone red 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 I will never ever lower myself into the gutter to do such a thing never I pray I would never, Lord, please don't make me go back on this. But I pray I will never get into the underbellies of that life. Like, I would never be that person. Have you ever? Have I ever? There's no way you have never. 
everyone at least has. And you were like, I don't ever want to do this again. No, I never did. I did catch someone cheating on me on a device, but it wasn't a phone. Which a is tablet, funny. a laptop. <laughs> no. This is a little before your time, but there used to be these things called snap cameras. And like they had like a little USB port on it. And it was to take, this is before like Instagram had video and all these applications had mm-hmm. video. So you would take these little videos and they were like short little videos. And my ex-boyfriend, I was in law school, early in law school, and he had one. And one night he wanted to put me on the snap cam. And I was like, no, like what? Like he, we were getting ready for bed and he wanted to film me. And I was like, no. He was so adamant. And I was just like, what? We never did that. Like, why is this a thing? So I went to sleep. I woke up the next day. He was in real estate, taking real estate classes. And he was going to go to class and come back. For some reason, I was like, I need to look at this camera. There was a butt naked chick with a full bush sitting in the bed that I was in. And I was shook. Mortified. I was horrified this bed this bed this is the bed and the timing was he had only been in that apartment like two months and we were together so i was like this was not you can't tell me any story about this and i'm watching this video of little miss Fullbush. I'm going to call her that because she's actually kind of famous now. She'd be on TV, Little Miss Bush. And Little Miss Bush was like, he was like interviewing her and asking her nasty questions. And she's just sitting there with her full bush answering them butt naked. And I was just like, oh my God. So I got up and took everything from the apartment that I was going to miss. And that was how we broke up. I went in the kitchen, I got a bottle of Patron, and I got the lime juice to go with it. He had this, uh, he had Lemur because he was a bougie bitch. I okay. took that. <laughs> he had this plaid shirt that I used to love to wear, but he would never let me take it because he loved it. I took that. I took the camera, and I took a laptop. His laptop? Yes. His camera? Yes. <laughs> so you robbed him, essentially. I did. <laughs> He called me. He was like, are you at the library? I was like, no, I'm at my house. And he's like, have you seen my laptop? Yeah, it's here with me. Wait, you told him? Yeah. I was like, um, and I have the camera. So I was like, I would let little Miss Fullbush know. And this was before um, relationship porn laws. Revenge porn. Revenge porn laws. Mm-hmm. I was like, she would not have her little career, honey, <laughs> had that gone to the internet. Okay. Get a wax anyway. But that is the one time I went through somebody's something. And I was like, whoa, you will find what you're looking for. That is a fact. See, the thing is, I wouldn't tell him. He would have been like, Do you, have you seen my laptop? Mm-mm, no. Have you seen my camera? No. Why are you texting me? What are we communicating I need for? him to know we are broken up. And it was years later, his mm-hmm. roommate said, you do know all that liquor you stole was mine. I was like. Casualties of war. It is what it is. Okay, well, as a treat to the lovely ladies tuned in who have made it to the end of another incredible episode of Rich Little Broke Girls, as promised, our guest is going to drop her undisputed certified tip for the girls. Nicole, let us in on your secret. You have one responsibility, and it is to design the life that you want to live. 
if no one ever comes into it, if you never get that thing that you said you'll die if you don't get, could you still enjoy your life? That is your job. That is your whole job. And I think once I learned that no one was going to rescue me, no one was going to come make my dream life, it is up to me, I started enjoying my life on a trillion. I look better than ever. I'm happier than ever. I'm achieving. And that doesn't mean bad things or challenging things that don't happen to me. I started this year with one of the biggest challenges of my life. And it was from remembering that little mantra and getting a therapist that I realized that like anything I get myself into, I can get myself out of. Anything I want, I can go for. And if it's not my time right now, I'll go for it again. Anytime I get knocked down, I can get back up. It is my job to design the life that I want to live and go confidently in that direction. So even when it comes to dating, if you believe, if you believe that you are designed to be a wife, you will be one. Mm. Enjoy the ride. Don't make everything about it. And if it doesn't shake out that way, on your last day, you want to be able to say you still had a life worth living. That's my whole thing. That's how I make any decision. I am in charge of my life. I'm a chooser. I'm not here just to be chosen while I want to be chosen in some ways. I am also choosing. With the job that you want to pick you in an interview, you also want to pick them. Mm -hmm. With the guys that you want to pick you, you also want to pick them. You are a chooser. Everything you do boils up to designing the life that you want to live. And it's in your control. Thank you so much, Nicole, for this amazing episode. So insightful. You know, you are the dating connoisseur. But before you go, where can our listeners keep up with you and tune into your balcony chat? So you can keep up with me on my Instagram at Nicole Alabi, and I see H O L E. A-L-A-B as in boy, I. And I do my balcony chats on the weekend. I promise I'm going to be more regular with the date and time. But on the weekends, whenever I'm getting ready to go out and live my best life, I always prop up a little tripod and give dating advice because I'm not a connoisseur and a guru because I'm an expert. Mm -hmm. I'm a connoisseur and a guru because I'm in the game and I like it. Mm -hmm. So my goal is to get more women in the game and enjoying dating. It's the only thing I want to see more women going on dates and happily being single because it's the way you enjoy this time. That's going to set you up for the next chapter. Hi, ladies. Don't forget to meet me back here next Wednesday for a new episode of Rich Little Broke Girls. Subscribe, rate, leave me a review. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.